this passage is the passage that need not be, right? It's a passage that need not be. As I started to plan this series on family and relationships, I took this episode from Abraham and Isaac as an example of a father and a son, particularly of the son. Now, of course, there's many examples in the Bible of that father-son relationship or where we get something of the son. And we find them particularly in Genesis as we get that family developing and growing. But for some reason, I'm drawn here. And it need not be. It need not be. This, as this Sunday got closer, I was saying to David, as he was about to start planning worship, I'm not sure about this passage. I've picked it, but I'm not sure. And I said, for one thing, it's only 18 months, and some of them have heard a sermon from me before on it. And I said, well, you can change, you can do a different thing. But as it got closer still, I decided that, no, although this is the passage that need not be, that I need not bring it, because I've preached before, I will. I will bring this. Though, of course, there's a different reason this passage need not be. It's a reading that almost isn't really required. It seems additional to what we actually need in the scriptures. Abraham is already established as a man who trusts God. He has accepted circumcision into his family as a statement of being God's people. He has established himself in a way that he will be the father of many nations. That's already been stated. And beyond the odds, at his great age and at the age of his wife, Sarah, they have been blessed with a son. It's clear that God has something in mind. So the promise of God is starting to be fulfilled that there will be many nations. And so the natural course of events would be to simply move the focus in Genesis from the birth of Isaac through to him being an adult and the birth of his sons. That sort of story. And moving the focus on to Jacob, known as Israel. But the writer of Genesis does not gleefully skip along. He gives us something that's really challenging. Something that we say, why on earth is this going on? It's painfully puzzling. We're left with the question of, what was Abraham thinking of 
when God spoke to him and said, okay, see that son that I've given you? Go and sacrifice him. And what's even worse, we're maybe left wondering, what is God doing in developing this test? We will in this life never fully understand what God is trying to do here. We never fully understand what God is doing on many occasions. And we say, why? And we're left puzzled. But he is God. A few folk, not just one, but two or three folk, asked me after last Sunday's uh, service about that passage of Cain and Abel and why Cain's offering did not get the same blessing that Abel's did. And although we might be able to give an answer that, well, maybe the lamb was ordained for the purpose, maybe the grain wasn't as good as it could have been, well, actually, we've left not knowing. There's quite often times we've left knowing. And we have to trust in God and say, God knows what he was doing. We cannot fathom the mind of our creator. The depth is too great for us to understand. But we can explore the story and we can seek to find some appreciation of the text that will help our lives. So let's start with this passage today, trying to put some understanding of what God expects of humanity. And there's two aspects of this. The first is that God expects us to be obedient. When he speaks, he expects us to listen, to have our ears and our heart and our mind open to what he is doing. When he calls, he expects us to follow. He expects us to put his purpose above our own. And we might express this in the understanding that we have no other gods but the one God. God is God. There is no other. Quite often we build up our own gods. We might have it in wealth, in possessions, in our family, in what we achieve in our workplace. And we sometimes put too much stress on that and not enough on God. God is God. The second aspect is that we should know who God is. Now that's not simply saying God is God, as Theresa May might say, Brexit is Brexit. We might want to know, is it soft or hard? easy or painful in the customs union or outside it. But God is God and the Bible does define what that is. God is love. God is kind and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. God is the provider 
the creator, the bringer of life. God is unchanging. He is merciful. He is full of grace. God is just and righteous. But also, as I've said, jealous. God is the redeemer. And God is eternal. We have all these pictures of who God is. And with these elements of character in mind, when we feel led by God to do something, we must weigh up whether that actually does fit with this wider picture of God. When we choose to do something ourselves or not to do something, Is it something that God wants us to do or not want to do? Is it something that's going against God? Abraham is said to be getting tested in the passage. But we might rightfully ask what the question of the test is. What is the aspect that he is being tested upon? If it is obedience, then surely he scores full marks right from the word go. He says, right, that's it. God has said, take my son, sacrifice him, I will go and I will do that. If God is wondering whether Abraham understands who he is, then certainly at the beginning of the passage... We might question the fact that Abraham immediately responds, taking the son with him. Going without thinking. Would God really call me to do that? Is that really what God expects to happen? Not only would the killing of the son be flying in the face of the story that we had last week of Cain and Abel, where we see that life is precious and there is judgment that comes for the taking of life, but there is a similar sanctity of life taught by God after the flood in the story of Noah. God proclaims that there will be a judgment against those who take a life. The suggested killing of Isaac also does not make sense against the wider promise of a great family. It seems contradictory to what God has already said. And God is unchanging. He keeps his promises. Where do the generations of children come from if Isaac is laid upon the altar? Isaac himself moves the conversation on. In the passage that, the excerpt, perhaps I should say, that Grace read earlier, that we heard again from Betty, there is that question, where is the lamb? We have the wood, we have the coals, we have the means of making fire. But where is the thing that we will use in worship? As a son, he looks to his father for wisdom. 
Surely his dad couldn't have forgotten that important element, could he? Dad, aren't you forgetting something? There's more to worship than simply turning up here on a Sunday. It's not the location, it's not the song, it's not the reading that matters, but how we come before the Lord. Whether we come ready to give something of ourselves and trust that he will lead us onwards in our journey. I heard a minister of another church earlier this week say that he had many faithful churchgoers in his congregation. And then he carried on saying, and some of them might be faithful followers of Jesus too. There's a difference between going to church and following the Lord. Abraham's response to Isaac suggests that maybe he truly is a man of great faith, ready to respond, but also a man who is fully aware that God would not truly expect his son to be sacrificed. Maybe, though, his response shows that he is in as much puzzlement as his son but he doesn't want to reveal his fears to his loved one right now. God's plan often seems hidden. But it is there awaiting the right question and the right bit of discernment. Being revealed at the right time. We are children of God. We are his sons and daughters in Christ. And we need to be faithful in travelling with our Father, seeking to worship and serve. But we also need to be saying, where's the lamb? Where's the thing that is missing that helps us counter our non-understanding? Where's the thing that will aid us bring that element of worship in a new and exciting way? Where is the thing that we need so that true glory can go to God? Sometimes the lamb might be a new person being provided in a team Sometimes it is the right resource to be available to bring fresh new work. You know, this coming Friday, we start with Messy Church. You know, and it's great that there's a team there that have come forward to help with Messy Church once a month. But there's still a struggle for the team for other weeks doing other children's work. You know, who is the new person? Who is the new resource? What is the new resource? Is the thing we need to be seeking 
is the lamb that is missing. The Holy Spirit moving upon us in a new way, doing something new and fresh. Is that what we need to be calling out for? Or is it a new recognition of the true lamb? The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. An awakening of our sense of Jesus that results in the knowledge of forgiveness to come deep in our heart, changing our life. And you know what? Maybe it's all of these. We need the Lamb to be seen. And God will provide when we trust and when we seek. Isaac was born in Sarah and Abraham's old age. It was the son that was wanted. The child gave hope of life and of generations that were to come. He was an ever-present physical testimony of God's providence and care. And yet, although this was the most precious thing in his life, Abraham was willing to give him up, even though that would cause great heartache. God does not require a death but does require from us that we consider what we are putting first in our life, that we bring worship that honours him with every element of our life. So be a faithful people. Do not try to lead the worshipful life without being like Isaac or his father Abraham. Ask, what are we going to sacrifice so that we can honour God? Amen.